Warning, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are based on psychic impressions and true life events that may be potentially frightening and or disturbing to some viewers. Any of the information that is shared in this production should not replace the advice of medical professionals and is intended for general purposes only. Viewer discretion is advised. So, Chastity. Yes? What is the name of this recording? I'm melting! I'm melting! Over the fact of how fucking big the Wizard of Oz's head was when they finally met the wizard. He looked like a fucking reptilian. We had to watch (laughs) the very end because the whole theme has been Wizard of Oz. And yeah, so we're, we're watching like the very end clip of them meeting them and him being like a dick and his head's just like an awkward shaped papaya he his head looks like an octopus like the body of an octopus yeah it's a little it was a little disturbing (laughs) considering he looked like a reptilian Mm -hmm. but anyways so we're finally done with our metaphorical wizard of oz journey Ironically enough, there are some things that, you know, you learn from that movie. There's like metaphors and everything else. And we kind of loosely followed that based on, you know, what we've been talking about. You know, good versus evil, duality, frequency, vibrations, etc., etc. So, yeah, we have finally made it to the end of the Yellow Brick Road. Follow the Yellow Brick Road. Woo-hoo. I'm glad it's over. I'm sick of it. Oh my god. <laughs> I couldn't do any more Wizard of Oz videos for promotion. I I'm done. I'm done. Yeah, we slow I sh- so slowly but surely just kind of stopped incorporating it as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Possible. All right. So, welcome everyone to the podcast. My name is Chastity aka Luna Beams and I'm Emily the Fine Art Medium. And we are two mediums that specialize in the paranormal. Our purpose is to shed light on what goes bump in the night. That's why we call this podcast Lights at Midnight, a.k.a. Lamp. (laughs) We have not practiced this, actually, but maybe once or twice um, before. Anyways, in this episode, we'll be discussing the second half of benevolent beings on the list that we created that includes angels, ascended masters, gods, deities, and what we refer to as God, creator force, or source. And we'll be finishing off the mini-series with part five of an exploration into the diversity of spiritual realms. And this episode is called, as you may saw, The Celestial. I love it. I love it. It's bougie. Yes. So, before we get started, I would like to read over the parameters that we set in the last episode in case you missed it. If you have not watched the last four parts or listened to the last four parts, depending on whether or not you're uh, listening, watching us on YouTube, or just listening on your favorite podcast streaming service, I suggest you go check out those episodes. You have Frequency, Duality, and Dimensions as episode part or part one, and then you have The Diabolical, part two. The Abominable Brutal for part three. (laughs) The Ascended 
for part four and then now part five the celestial so these parameters basically help us keep information that we share and basically narrow it down and keep it in a good order and structured uh, way so basically it'd be cohesive and you know we're not covering everything under the sun from every crack and cranny of the world it is just not possible within this episode so by the time actually matter of fact i will state this by the time we get done with this episode we will have actually provided i'd say almost 12 hours give or take an hour maybe more in the plus direction of information about you know, good and evil spirits or, you know, that ideology of that. So we have actually, Emily, we have covered 12 hours of content. Oh, shit. Yeah, I was thinking about that. But anyways, back to the parameters. So these statements are very much based on our perception and what we have learned over time. We realize these views and opinions will not apply to everyone. So this is our own understanding of the information and the... I guess you could say research that resonates with us and what we've known and learned over learned over time. Just like in the episodes in the last series, we have chosen to narrow down the topics that we can uh, cover. So we're not going to be covering everything in just a you know four or five podcast. We have strived to give you all a good variety of information that is useful in terms of benevolent spirits. Since we're doing our best to try to follow the vibrational scale we discussed in episode 9, Frequency, Duality, and Dimensions, we're just going to stick to that vibrational scale that we have set forth before. So, for the next perimeter, we have chosen to use some terms to help explain as well as rank, so to speak. So, you may hear some different terminology throughout this podcast that we've kind of just like, you know, kind of set differences and you'll hear that actually throughout these episodes in this mini series well that pretty much covers the parameters so em and i will go ahead and basically jump right into our weekly experiences if we have any uh pretty much we'll go ahead and just talk about some things that happened to us so em do you have anything for this week you i have would like to i have two one's really short but okay so the first thing was i was watching the peripheral on i think it's on amazon plus or whatever the heck it's called but we were watching the peripheral in the bedroom like getting ready to to go to bed and i kept seeing something out of the corner of my right eye and you know eventually i caught a glimpse of what it was and i literally saw an arm swing but it was like scaly and had claws and it was gross So, and then that same night, I believe I had that really messed up astral realm experience attack thing, which I told you about, about, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to get into detail with that because it's probably not good for the podcast. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Some of the dreams and things people have can get kind of crazy. But then the second experience right before I was about to fall, fall asleep, um, I was probably in that in-between state where my Claire audience is really good and really like high and I literally heard growling and I was like what the fuck like and then I hear myself say oh great (laughs) it was funny yeah (laughs) 
that's crazy. Mm -hmm. It was like I was hearing my astral self or my higher self say, oh, great. (laughs) (laughs) Like, here we go again. Mm -hmm. But that was it for this week. You know, now that I think about, like, thinking back to the since the last time we've recorded, besides just having some interesting dreams, I really haven't had too many experiences. My experiences have been more so in channeling and reading. I haven't had any, like, true blue paranormal experiences. But I have been working on channeling and mediumship, and I guess I could use this as an experience. So, um, I have been following the Alec Murdaugh case, and that was because somebody reached out to me on TikTok um, saying that they were interested in me channeling some information about the case. Well, I like pre-channeled info. I didn't even realize which case it was. I thought it was actually something totally different, and I was able to like you know, give her a few things, a few details, because I had no knowledge. I literally just saw a picture of Alec Murdaugh, and I channeled in some things about the case, and she never got back to me. So, I gave her, like, three or four days. She had seen the message, and I'm like, fuck it. I want to know. Like, I was wanting to know what I got, and if I got, you know, some things right, and it seems like I did. Um, So, I've been kind of following that case and I found it interesting that as, you know, I'm learning things and stuff, it's almost like energetically I can feel Maggie and Paul, which was his wife and son that was murdered. Um, I won't get into too much details about the things I experienced or anything, you know, just for the sake of time and stuff. It's not the right place either. Um, or right time, but um, yeah, I think I was taking on some of the emotions that Paul had been feeling prior to his murder because of the boat accident he was in, and if y'all are following, anybody of our listeners are following the case, you'll know what I'm talking about. If not, you might have no idea, but I think I actually started taking on some of his personality and some of his emotions, like through you know, I guess empathy or being empathic because he actually got in a lot of trouble and it actually adjusted my mood. Like I actually got in kind of a shitty mood over it. So maybe it's just a lesson to like those of you that may be sensitive, especially people that are empathic. You have to really guard yourself against taking on other people's emotions um, and as your own. And sometimes it's hard to tell the difference. And even though I knew that this was a possibility and that could have been happening, it still happened. So that would probably be my interesting experience for the week. That happens to me too. Like if I don't, if I'm not paying attention and stuff is going around or going on with people, I will adopt the same mood and or characteristics of their behavior and or like speech patterns. Yeah. I've actually uh, heard you do that. <laughs> B actually will do that too. Just like the, the accent of somebody. Mm-hmm. I've noticed that about him, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Doesn't help that one of your spirit guides, like for me, has a British accent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's so, funny. Yeah. I've also noticed, and maybe it's just me, but I think where we've been talking and I'm from the South and you're technically from the North, you, I, you, you've you been saying so differently. 
Oh my god. So, I've been picking up some of your speech patterns too. Yes, you have. And I've been trying to stop it so hard and I can't. I noticed that. And I'm it was so, so sorry. You're like, so and it sounds so funny. <laughs> now the people that are listening, y'all listen to other podcasts, y'all notice what I'm talking about. I promise you will. It's so funny. And it's funny because I don't do it on purpose. No, you don't. No, you don't. And I've never told you that prior to this episode <laughs> recording either. So. Oh, trust me. I pick up on it when I edit the the audio. I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. It is interesting though how we actually do do that to each other. And like the more you're around somebody, the more you pick up like their dialect. Mm-hmm. Or I, I started know. saying well weird. I, I started going whale. 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 <laughs> One of the things that is big here is people say like, and then they say like. Like. Yeah. So you go one county over from me, and I say like, and they say like, and it's different. I can't even do it right, but like, like. It's just, it's interesting how the dialect really shifts and changes within a small amount of radius. Like, I guess Mm -hmm. just like in England, when people talk you know, different types of um, English dialect. But anyways, I guess we'll go ahead and... (laughs) No, you know what's funny? You'll know when I get to a family get-together because it'll flip. It'll boop. Go right to your New Yorker. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, that wraps up our experiences for this week. Now, everyone, I need a drum roll, damn it. prepare yourself for the final ascent into the series into the world of celestials fasten your seat belts and please keep all your arms and legs inside of the vehicle at all times please do not stare directly into the sun because it may very well make you blind okay i'm done don't pull an icarus <laughs> explain no later just never mind it's, it's got to be something like anime no what is it is icarus Icarus was the god who flew too close to the sun. It's Greek mythology. Oh, yeah. And we'll be getting into that, by the way. Just so you know. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess we could go ahead and M. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> if you can't handle the heat, get out of hell. Speaking of which, now that we have already ascended out of he- the hell realms uh, with our last episode... If you haven't listened to it, we literally talk about starting to ascend into the higher realms and the spirits that may be encountered there, such as a multitude of light or benevolent beings. To continue the discussion, we will be kicking it off with angels first. Booty hoo. Boop, 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 boop. So, angels. (laughs) I did it again with the so. So. (laughs) Angels and angelic-type beings have been recognized by humans since the dawn of civilization. The archetype of communication between mortals and the divine, angels, or angelic-type forms exist in almost every religion and culture. Did you know that? I did. (laughs) Anyway, they appear as harbingers of death or the announce joyful and profound events. 
They bring catastrophic destruction and protect little children while they sleep. Angels have appeared as wheels of fire, beautiful human-like beings or monsters. They have been portrayed in ancient art and in popular movies, songs, and charm bracelets. Protectors and destroyers. Angels are beautiful and wondrous, profound as simple as a child's faith. All major Western religions mention angels. The ancient Zoroastrian faith had guardian angels called, and I'm going to say this fucked up and wrong because I don't know how to pronounce it, but anyway, the Fravashi, and mentioned a great battle between angels of good versus angels of evil. Not only do the Islam, Jewish, and Christian faith feature angels, but mention the archangels Michael and Gabriel by name. Angels are said to exist in spheres of power that encircle God. In the late 4th century AD, the church divided groups of angels into categories separated into nine choirs or hosts that are grouped into triads. So, nice. Yeah. I will start with the third triad and move up to the first since we are following thy vibrational scale that we set in the first episode of this mini-series, Frequency, Duality, and Dimension. If you haven't checked that episode, I would recommend doing so, uh, as it is our most listened to episode to date and has some interesting information. Without further ado, I'm going to start with the third triad. Yes. All right. The third triad of angels is said to interact and serve humanity closely. So they are the closest to us and are very involved with our human existence. This group of angels is the one ordinary humans will have the most interaction with. So we're going to start out with angels or guardian angels. They're like the lower rank of the angel system. Yes. Angels are the closest to the material world in humanity. The lowest choir is where we get the majority of our personal guardian angels. These might be just called regular angels. They are guardians of people and all things physical and are the most common type of angels. These angels are sent as messengers to humanity. Personal guardian angels come from this category. Angels may protect and warn humans as well as act as warriors on behalf of God. These ones are the most likely to help a person out of a life or death situation. And the next one is archangels. Archangels are portrayed in religion and mythology as powerful beings in the celestial order despite being among the lower ranks. The exact number of archangels is not known, although most religions mention seven. However, I fully believe there are a lot more than seven, maybe a few dozen, give or take. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, when I was doing the research, I noticed, like, the list of seven, there were, like, two or three of them that would constantly change. And I was just like, mm. But also from experience in fighting negative entities, I noticed that there's quite a few more than just seven. Yes, and it depends on which text you're reading, what account you're reading, and this information will kind of be a collaboration of all of those and all different types of accounts through different, you know, things. So it, you, there's a lot of things that are malleable in this situation. Mm -hmm. These, along with the angels, are 
guardians of people and all things physical, archangels engage in spiritual warfare by fighting amongst or against demons. So the one popular one that people often see in the Bible is Archangel Michael. Or bring messages from God, such as when Gabriel came to Mary to tell her that she was going to be a mother of Jesus. It is believed there are only seven archangels, but like I said, there's probably more than that. Here's a look at the different types of angels in their roles in this particular group. So we have Archangel Michael. His name means he who is as God and is often depicted as the most powerful of all angels. Anyway, within the celestial hierarchy, Michael is portrayed as a leader and is often depicted as a sword-bearing warrior in works of art. Michael helps those seeking vitality, energy, courage, direction, and motivation. He's he's my favorite. Like, or the one I tend to call upon the most. But I do work with several other ones. But anyway, next one. Jophiel. The name Jophiel means beauty of God in Christianity. Jophiel is the patron saint of earthly artists. She helps them develop and maintain beautiful and inspiring thoughts as well as manifest them for others to see. She is also in charge of instilling unique points of view in talented people. Then we have Chemuel. I don't know if I said that right or wrong. I don't know. The name Chamuel means he who sees God in Christianity. He is responsible for maintaining world peace by reducing negative energy. Chamuel helps humans find the courage and strength to overcome life's adversities. He also helps mend broken relationships. Then we have Raphael. He is tasked with emotional and physical healing. He is also the head of the virtues. Besides healing humans, he also assists healers in carrying out their practices. Some of his other tasks include watching over travelers, maintaining general harmony, and clearing stress and fear. Then we've got Gabriel. This is one of the few angels who are mentioned by name in both testaments of the Bible. He is tasked with communication and often acts as God's messenger. Gabriel also helps artists, journalists, teachers, and writers get their messages across. Then we've got Ariel or Ariel. The name means Lion of God in Christianity. Archangel Ariel is the patron saint of the environment and animals and helps protect the earth, wildlife, and natural resources. She is said to work closely with Raphael to heal injured animals. She also oversees the order of planets, stars, and the moon. And then the last one I have mentioned is Azrael. He is widely regarded as the angel of death in certain religions. He is tasked with helping souls transition from life on earth, as well as comforting those who lose their loved ones. Azrael also assists grief counselors in dealing with the pain of those who seek help from them. So yeah, those are just a few of the more popular archangels. And then, Definitely. Yeah, yeah, those are, Michael is like one of the most, I think, and Raphael. and Yeah, him and, so Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael are the ones I communicate with the most. Yeah, and I've definitely asked Michael for help a time or two. I really enjoy working with him. Mm -hmm. He's so freaking awesome. Yeah, 
very helpful. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to move on to the next one, which is principalities. These angelic beings are shaped like rays of light, just like a principal in school. The principalities oversee everything. They guide our entire world, nations, cities, and towns. What's more is they are in charge of religion and politics. Though, I don't know, they might not, they might be slacking a little bit, just saying. Yeah, and there's other ones that are said to kind of influence the powers that be as well. As if their plate isn't full enough, they are also in charge of managing the earthly duties of the angels below them. So they're like the bosses of the angels and the archangels. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Personally, this triad that we are talking about are the ones that I personally experienced the most. So that's the end of the third triad. And then we're going to go to uh, Chas with the second triad. Yes, yes. So the second triad of angels are said to help fulfill God's plan in the universe. And they still exist within heaven, but the actions they perform are actually directly intertwined with us humans. Okay, really. So first up, I have the powers and the powers are the angelic beings and they basically form like a anti-demonic team so to speak it is said they are constantly in a physical war with demonic forces and are the guardians of borders of heaven against anything that may you know try to get in um a lot of times people that say they have spiritual eyes in christianity because there's a lot of people that they call that uh prophets and stuff of the such and seers in a way but even the word seer they're very keen on not using in Christianity, but they will say, I found it interesting that some people that have the power of deliverance will say that they actually see these powers was what they're called. The powers or the angels fighting like the fight here. They'll actually see it happening on earth. So it's just another form of mediumship in my opinion, but they're very much against that in Christianity. They are, the powers are also believed to escort every soul to heaven, and they could have a role in helping us fight temptation and help people also fight off demonic presences. And it is considered basically like a royal class of angels. The second one that we have in the second triad is the virtues. And the virtues are the angels of nature and they're the guardians over earth itself. It said they are responsible for giving people faith and credited to performing miracles for humanity. So, you know, you hear like, it's a miracle. Well, these, the virtues are the ones that are supposed to be helping humanity with those types of things. And they can help you impart things like courage and strength when you need it the most. So when you ask for help or you pray or however, you know, you get there, they're the ones that actually help give us courage and strength and which gives them the nickname of the strongholds. And they can be described as the shining ones. And this is basically uh, coming out of the book of Enoch. And they're just basically the bright lights. So when you see them, they will look angelic, it is said, but they have just these bright lights shining off of them. So for the third angel that I have is the dominions. Dominions, aka lordships, are said to have the responsibility of regulating duties of the angels under them. And they as well carry out God's will. Once God makes a ruling, 
they carry out the action as well as um help with large events of conflict like war here on earth and it said that they basically pass out the you know justice or the karma so to speak they are also said to rule over different parts of the earth as well similar to the principalities this is just something that has you know been said or passed down they are known to give mercy to those that seek it and it's also believed that they have a ruling over the cosmos and the sky so for the second triad overall um some people i will say this too you might hear it called a spheres of angels as well i don't think we've said that so far but i do want to make that very clear these can be called triads or spheres of angels um, you could really compare these if you were wanting to use it metaphorically to like the police and the judicial system <laughs> um, and how they have higher ranking officers that kind of keep law and order. And that's kind of what they do in a way of different parts of, you know, our human experience. All right. So that's all I've got for the second triad of angels. I guess we'll go ahead and move on to the first triad of angels. Chas and I ended up dividing this one up a little bit and covering the final triad of angels together. The sphere of angels are said to contemplate and adore God directly. Yes, yes. So I went ahead and just took the first one, which are the thrones. And they are representing the steadfast love of God. And the thrones are described as, this is where it gets, these are the ones that everybody talks about. They're described by Ezekiel in the Bible as appearing as four wheels within wheels, okay, that are constantly spinning with eyes on each part of the wheel. And then there's a fire in the middle that he described as a terrible crystal, but the word terror, I think it was terrible. Yes, terrible crystal, but the, that can also mean like multiple or many, and it was of colors, so think of it as like a kaleidoscope of colors in the middle of this spinning wheel of eyeballs. And, you, you know, it takes the shit to the whole level of do not be afraid, you know. <laughs> but, I mean, I've kind of seen things like this when I've had mystical experiences. So, I mean, I can kind of vibe with it. Uh, it's said that in the middle of them, there are like living, living beings. They'll look like creatures. So sometimes it might look like a human or something else. And when God orders the angels to pour out blessings in the household, he, uh, Ezekiel says, he sees the uh, cherubim angels reach into the thrones, like into those moving wheels, and pull out a colorful burning coal of fire and lay them across the home. This is very interesting. They are very, very large. And, you know, it's even been described, they could be as big as the sky or the horizon or a mountain. Uh, the wings, when they flapped, sounded like ocean waves and their voices like the trumpets of or trumpets or thunder. Now, they also uh, have been said to basically appear in different forms. So the whole be not afraid. Uh, I think anything with this high of vibration or fre frequency can absolutely 100% appear any way it wants to. So, you know, they may appear in a smaller form, but I just found it so interesting that, you know, it's said that they, the cherub, uh, cherubims reach in, isn't that how you say it? The cherubims? I'm sorry, I'm mm -hmm. awful with it. That's how I would say it. Yeah, I've heard it said a hundred times, but of course, it's, when it's time to record, I just fuck it all up. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I just found it interesting that, you know, this multiple colors and stuff, because we're going to be getting into just a tiny bit about color later in the podcast. And I have seen many multiple orbs of color. I have actually seen a rainbow orb. Matter of fact, this I've just remembered this. I've seen a rainbow rainbow orb in the middle of my room one time. And uh, I, it definitely was a higher vibrational energetic being. I just thought that was really cool to add to the, you know, to the thrones. I think Emily has the other two for us, though. I so, do, yeah. but before I get into that, you know, I will never see these things. I know I'll never see it. You know why I'll never see these? Why? Because I have to give everything a nickname, and if I see one of them things, I'm going to start calling them Hot Wheels. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm going to be, well, what up, Hot Wheels? <laughs> one of the... Okay. One of the side effects of like having a magical experience and by the by now if you are a regular listener you'll probably know what i mean and if you're not i'm pretty sure you get what i mean of the funky kind you'll see things with a lot of eyeballs like kind of like this in a way and it's not always a being and you can there's other things that do that too that i've never personally experienced but you do see eyes and you do feel this whole oneness now it makes you wonder and i'm not trying to be like blasphemous here by any means but it makes you wonder if they were just randomly picking up and forging for mushrooms and seeing stuff like this now i know that there's angelic forces and all that stuff but you know what i'm saying like maybe that's what you're seeing when you reach certain uh points of uh what's the word understanding in your magical journey so i just wanted to add that that it's kind of interesting that there i know that there's some more that you're going to be discussing that are very interesting mm-hmm. as well but just wanted to say that before we transition to the hey, uh, hey chastity yeah i see your point <laughs> <laughs> i actually got that one. <laughs> oh, good one thank well, you <laughs> You're welcome. So, you know, would you like to go ahead and get started on the next? All right. Movie? So we now we got the cherubim. 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 All right. So cherubim. These angels are the keepers of celestial records and hold the knowledge of God. They are sent to earth with great tasks, such as expelling humankind from the Garden of Eden. Ancient art depicts cherubim as sphinx like winged creatures with human faces not the fat babies with wings <laughs> that now grace greeting cards and book covers just wanted to clarify that because they're because everyone knows that cherubim is associated with the fat babies and the wings and their little yeah. bow and arrows and yes yeah so i thought i would uh valentine's day yeah <laughs> and then Ophaniel, Rickbiel, and Zophiel are cherubim, as was Satan before his fall to evil. This I have heard. Mm-hmm. Then the next round, we've got Seraphim. Seraphim means the fiery ones. It is the plural of the word seraph. These angels are mentioned in the Bible as having faces, hands, and feet. Each seraph has six wings, four of which they use to cover themselves in the presence of God as a sign of humility. They use the other two to fly. 
They appear to worship God continuously, and they are often depicted in religious art. These angels circle his throne and emit an intense fiery light representing his light, the loving light of God. Yes, and I would I do want to say like I can see where every one of these angels have a place. Truly, I can. Mm-hmm. Seraphim are considered fiery serpents, and not even the other divine beings may look at them. They are only four of them, and each has four faces. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> when they come to Earth, they have they leave their serpent appearance behind preferring tall thin clean-cut human embodiments you know what i just kept thinking and why i couldn't stop laughing what's that it takes two-faced to another level oh my i'm sorry we got the jokes today okay well i guess four faces are better than two anyway okay look i'm a gemini now i'm offended well that's because they have more faces than you yeah i'm really upset All right. These angels are one of the rarest to see because of how high their position is to source, but they still have some indirect interactions with the human experiences here on Earth. And then we're going to get into angel experiences. Angel experiences. So we have been a little jokey or whatnot, but yes, I do. I truly like have seen some things like this like the thrones or whatnot i've seen things that are representative of this in certain magical experiences yes but i personally hold some of uh, those experiences as a spiritual experience just like any other vision quest you may go on especially you know if it's done in moderation and that's not the only time that i've had any type of what i would say angelic experiences I did share something recently about being in a car wreck and having this like energy and even like seeing white light in my eyes. I also have seen um, Archangel Michael, not quite in an astral experience, but once I believe. And he actually picked me up and we flew over this massive wave of water. Um, But one thing I do want to say about angels is when I started doing research back a while ago, And this was when I had first really started getting serious into my spiritual journey. Um, I realized how much when I read over each like archangel, how much they were already involved in helping me in my life at some point in one way or another. And I really felt connected to that uh, based on what they help humanity with. And spirit actually showed me different times in my life during this, you know, research and during this moment, this epiphany that I had that every angel at some point, their attributes or their virtues have affected my life in one way or another. So um, that's really my experience that I I have with angels. I'm probably have had a couple more, but they've, they've left my mind. Honestly, I think maybe that was one of the most important things that I really could say at this time is like really sitting down and thinking about how, especially like archangels, you know, the ones that we can, we hear about a lot and we can closely relate with. I've seen how they've done works and how, you know, God has worked through me in this life. And it's, it's an amazing feeling and I'm very appreciative for all that. Mm-hmm. I have so many experiences with angels especially archangels and i think this just has to do with 
my ability to astral travel and my relationship with Michael and Gabriel. But um, yeah. yeah, I'm just going to share some, not very many. But so my favorite experience that I had with Archangel Michael is during the end of my past life regression session I did with my friend Lauren. Hey girl, hey. <laughs> and Archangel Michael showed up and gave me a weapon. It was the coolest thing because at the time it was a double-sided staff with blades on each end. And in Japanese culture, it's called a naginata. But essentially it has so many functions and it's like a multi-tool somewhat like a Swiss knife and how like they have so many uses but I remember him giving me uh, this weapon and it was so cool and he's given me other weapons after this and then Gabriel when I accidentally low-key kind of accidentally <laughs> sold my soul to a demon but oh. yeah remember that time yeah yes. but it it was it was more like it forced me to do it kind of thing and it tricked me and I didn't have much control over my body. It was weird. It was like kind of controlling my limbs to sign his book. But anyway, Archangel Gabriel was the one who helped me get out of that and save me from that. So I'm very appreciative of those two uh, archangels. Yeah, and I, I that happened before me and you actually started talking, but it was something that was kind of in the forefront of Right when we started talking, you had told me about. But yes, I do mm -hmm. remember that for yep. sure. It was very traumatizing. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Well. All right. Like some of the first few types of angels at the bottom of the hierarchy, there are other light beings that play similar roles. These are the Ascended Masters. Chastity, would you like to take it away? Absolutely. So Ascended Masters are basically teachers in the sense of their teachings directly deal with our own personal ascension. I'll go ahead and jump right into the definition of Ascended Masters, and it is a person that lived, male or female, that has mastered the cycle of incarnation here on Earth. They have decided to remain here on Earth to help humanity, or not necessarily like on Earth, but they their dealings are within earth even though they had the ability it is said to transition to a different world a different plane or whatever that may be out in you know the cosmos they chose to stay here which and to help us basically evolve faster and at least the attempt to help us evolve faster they have uh they could have lived hundreds if not thousands of lives and they're not always, you know, the same age spiritually. So each and every person has a different time of creation. So you have what is called old souls. So these would be considered like old souls. And even if they have like reincarnated, they still were created at different times. And we also have as the a higher evolved being they have little ego and need to basically promote self or just their needs are a little bit different they don't have the need to really have ego anymore because it is said that during their last incarnation they are able to like materialize and dematerialize things think of like master manifester with just thoughts and they ha it said they needed no food or water. I d 
I don't know how much I can vibe with that and because you're having a human experience, but if you can like manifest a palace out of your mind, then maybe you don't. Maybe you can manifest a cheeseburger as well. Shit. Who am I to say? Like really, you know, I mean, it, for me, I find that hard to believe, but who am I to say that I'm correct? You know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, and they've also repaid all of their, you know, karmic debt. So they have no more karma. They have like maxed out. One of the things that is associated with Ascended Masters that you may hear is the seven rays. So, and I do want to touch on that briefly. And the seven rays is said to basically help give us a glimpse of how we fit into God's plan based on different types of Ascended Masters. It's a framework, so to speak. And they give us comforting context and secure boundaries. And it's made up of, you know, the oneness. It's made up of the virtues of the whole human experience. The seven rays come in the form of, if you can think, so let me give, actually let me back up and give you an example. If you have a crystal in the window, okay, and it creates... Uh, a reflection like rainbow colors i'm sure y'all all have had something like that in the past some people even put like the rainbow sticky stuff to the the window you know to make the different types of prisms of light coming through well think of the seven rays as god's like pure white light energy going through a crystal and coming out in seven different rays of different colors that are representative by different ascended beings and I really, and I really connect with the seven rays and I'm not going to go really deep into it, but I really connect with this because one of the things that I've probably said this before, that spirit told me when I first started my journey is how much color has to do with our spirituality, which, you know, is related to our chakras and our auras and all that kind of stuff. But this is just another level of uh, understanding of how color coincides with spirituality and we have actually already talked about that in the podcast here you know earlier when we were talking about the uh, thrones and how they have different colors in the middle of their wheels and their eyeballs you know that make who they are and each ray it has a virtue and a godly attribute that makes them distinct there are many virtues that fall under each um like way of living or way of we do things here on earth basically and they can be in different shades and hues so you know there's many different virtues that one can gain here on earth and through life and learn but just like how they say that there's no just black and white there's many shades of gray we'll think of it that way with the different types of virtues that the each ray can assist us with so you have like purple and green and white and each you know, white, you might have a creamy white or a really bright white or a light green and a dark green. And together they all form a framework with how we are all connected as one. It makes a whole. So these actually, these seven rays and the practice of learning about them and the virtues help us actually ascend, it is said, all the way up to the top as far as we can go. And how is it related to the Ascended Masters? And it's basically rep represented by the ideology of the seven rays via the color and the teachings. And it can help 
guide us is how we can become closer to source or God during our own process of ascension. So basically, that's it in a nutshell. So I have some examples of ascended masters, which I'm sure everybody has at least one or two in mind. And I'm briefly just going to talk about each one. We have Jesus or Yeshua, and I call him aka the master demon slayer. Outside of Christianity, there is so much more I think about Jesus because you know, Christianity sets some really strict things, and you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I don't have a problem with anybody that is a religious person. But when I really started thinking about Jesus, and I we could talk about you know, his birth and everything and all that. But we, I think that a lot of people already kind of know the gist of that story. But when I really started thinking about Jesus in my own sense, in my own personal journey, he was like the master psychic medium. Psychic, psychic medium, healer. He was everything. Everything that I've talked about before, how, well, actually, yeah, the Ascended Masters, they had all these abilities to like manifest and do everything psychically in a way. Um, and I find there's, I find that there's an interesting correlation between people that have psychic abilities and healing abilities. Well, it said we're also gave the ability to cast out demons and that's what Yeshua did. He was actually, you know, practiced deliverance on people and would cleanse them with the fire. And he, you know, I've heard the interesting term, you know, the fire of the Holy Spirit, you get baptized in the water and you get baptized in, by the fire of the Holy Spirit. And it's just a very interesting concept that I personally think. I just wanted to state that, you know, that's how I resonate with Jesus. And I did have my experience with Jesus that I talk about, I believe, in the third episode of season one where I did not really have my abilities at all until I had a full-blown waking astral experience when I was in church camp and the day that I got saved or I asked Jesus to be a part of my life I actually saw a man that looked like Jesus and there was a ball of soft but bright white glowing light that filled the room up and you know if you want to go back and hear that experience it's actually very interesting but I definitely can vibe with this um, and it makes a lot more sense to me now than it did. All right, moving on. So the next example I have is Buddha. So there's the story goes is the Buddha word actually means awakened. So his name was Prince Siddhartha. I think I've, I've got that really close. I actually proud of myself. And it said he was born about 2,500 years ago, and he was predicted to become a sage, which enraged, because he was a prince, so it enraged his father, and because he wanted him to take the throne, he didn't want him to be a sage and, like, help people, so he turned all of his surroundings into, like, the most perfect world, you know, because you, you're raised by your perception. So his perception was everything was good. He didn't see people age. He didn't see people sick. He didn't see poor people. You know, he didn't see, even they said it went, went as far as like the flowers and the petals of the flowers. If they wilted, they would be cut off one by one. So it was like, you know, the metaphor for creating an illusion around what would be known as Buddha for him to never become a sage because it was just in his path. Well, one day he was a little bit older. I would assume about a teenage, 
teenager, a little older, he went outside of the palace walls into the garden and somehow, some way, he ended up seeing an aging man, he saw a sick man, and he saw a funeral procession, which kick-started like this whole revolution and where, you know, he met people along the way and he ended up becoming the sage through like meditation and everything that's related to what you what we know about buddha and that's how he became an ascended master was through that incarnation of life so he went from seeing everything as being like perfect no suffering to actually learning that we have to suffer to learn the difference and to learn things in life and it's like you know what what kept popping up in my head it might be silly to some but you've probably heard it on social media where the little boy sings the song that says thank you for sunshine thank you for rain thank you for joy thank you for pain like we have to go through hurt and pain and all of those things to be able to appreciate that and it makes us a different person when we come out on the other side um you know, I've, I, as I sit here and I, I talk about this and I think, you know, I could sit here and tell you more about Buddha and all, but I think really the whole point of Ascended Masters is teaching people the way of life and how to appreciate what we should and what we shouldn't and actually experience the things so we know the difference. And that's beautiful in itself. Even the hardest things, we we end up coming out somebody stronger and most of the time better. And your perception is what wills that. And that's part of the Ascended Master's teachings as well. Um, The last one is one that I wasn't aware of. I just got a little bit of information about her and I just, I wanted to cover it. It's kind of drawn to was Lady Nada. Uh, She was Lord of the Six Ray. So in terms of the rays, and no, but if if y'all were expecting me to go through all the rays in this po- this particular episode, I will not be doing that. I can save that one for a later one, though. But she is the Lord of the Six Ray, and it is said she lived as a princess in an Arabian culture, and it was in the fifth golden age. And she is represented by the flame of inspiration. Her work seemed to be closely related to Jesus when the different types of information that I found about her. And it was said that she kind of like walked in his path, even though she lived almost 800 years before Jesus uh, was born and passed away and ascended, which I found interesting because there's a point in, you know, history that we find that a lot of things kind of correlate with each other. And there is, Spirit has told me there's a specific meaning for that. So I vibed with her energy and I vibed with like the whole like flame and like the inspiration because a lot of the things that I've kind of vibed with learning about spirituality and stuff is, uh, for example, the story of Vesta in ancient Rome. Uh, This lady, the Lady Nada actually reminded me of the the Vesta girls in ancient Rome. I don't know if anybody knows that story, but they were 30 virgins. They'd have to stay virgin for, I think it was 16 or 30 years that they had to serve. Like once they were of age or like became a woman basically. And uh, they would have to protect the eternal flame. And there's a big story about that, but it all talks about the flame that burns inside of us that like gives us our passion and our love and our joy and, you know, purity and light itself. And that is part 
kind of what Lady Nada, the Ascended Master Lady Nada is about. And it's part of teachings that I'm not familiar with, but I want to become more familiar with them. So I figured I would add her in there because number one, I was drawn to her energy. Number two, maybe some of y'all already know about her personally. I do not. Um, but I found it interesting that her story lined up with kind of like something from ancient Rome. So there is a definitely a pattern of uh, things that I've seen while studying history. I'll leave that there. So in all actuality, just to kind of sum up Ascended Masters, there's many more Ascended Masters than one could ever count. And I feel that it's important to note that all Ascended Masters teach us how to live in harmony in our human experience, whether good or bad, and, you know, through the life that they say we chose. Like, even if we live a life and end up getting murdered, they say we choose that for that experience so our soul grows. And the Ascended Masters have basically seen it all. So they are like the teachers. They are the ones that we can look to to get direction to become closer to source itself. So that's pretty much all I have for Ascended Masters. And would you like to um, talk any about, have you had any experiences with Ascended Masters you would like to talk about, Emily? Sure. I only had a few brief ones. So the only experiences I had with an Ascended Master was with Jesus. So very early on during my really bad haunting, I remember being brutally attacked um, and I remember calling out for Jesus and he came and took me out of the attack. And this happened a few times until I began to work with Archangel Michael and Gabriel. But those are just the only experiences I really had with Jesus. Yeah, definitely. It's more of a presence thing. When you talk about Ascended Masters, you're not always going to visually see them. Mm -hmm. But I have felt the presence 100%. Um, because I have worked with Jesus uh, based on, you know, the stuff I've said in the past to you guys and just my experiences. There's been times, you know, I constantly use um, that name and talk to Jesus in prayer and stuff, especially when I'm helping people because people can say what they want to. I know there's a lot of people that have a really like big grudge against the word or the name Jesus or Yeshua because of the fear-based religion sometimes cult like culture and I'm not saying it's all like that but I'm, I'm I'm getting a little extreme here because there are extreme religious beliefs that have actually pushed people away from that name um I mean anytime that I've ever needed help or guidance or you know protection when it comes to, especially to demonic things when I'm helping people get rid of those things in their life to my best ability I don't do it by myself I mean, I might be super awesome and all, yeah, whatever, but no, I don't, I don't, I, but seriously, I don't, I don't do that by myself. That has nothing to do with just my abilities. I'm gave a gift and I have the ability to do so because I have help from higher power. I have help from ascended beings and masters and angels and spirit guides to help us complete all that and I think that's one thing that not everybody may agree with but you know and they say that we're creators and that we have this you know um, we're like God or we were created in his image that's right but being human we still have our limitations 
and we're not ascended masters we're not there yet we are still learning if you're listening to this you're you're still learning too because we're not manifesting like thousands i i'd manifest a thousand two thousand a million dollars right now i'm just telling you (laughs) but but yeah i just i just wanted to state like you know nothing i do i do alone and there's been times that i've needed uh, help maybe I was being attacked and I've like literally saw hands come down and touch me asking for help um and all kinds of stuff like that just little things like that and then just the feelings that I get and then I might get a vision of things as well a uh, very very bright lights it's like when I close my eyes and I do any type of prayer or meditation or vision work of light um, and I ask for help I will see beings come but they are nothing but radiant light so no I don't always see human um, human shapes but I know that it's a, a spirit or a being and they come in the form of light so it's a really a beautiful thing so when I was talking about my experience a few moments ago my right ear started to ring yeah, that's interesting because that means um, communication or, mm-hmm. and I wonder if the, like the earring is not just communication. I wonder if it's our vibration somewhat shifting and changing because mm-hmm. um, I know we've talked about like the room and shifting yeah, or whatnot, like the feeling of the room and sometimes it'll like drop and then sometimes it will lift. Um, and I think when we have that big pressure change, not only is it a biometric pressure, pressure type change, like we can, you can feel that too, if you're sensitive to stuff like that. But what we're talking about is a little bit different, at least from my perception. Mm-hmm. I noticed when my left ear rings, it has to do with spirit communicating because it'll ring when you'll be like channeling stuff in and you'll be like, oh, spirit said this. And then my ear, ear will ring to validate you. Yeah. And, and or they'll be giving me messages too. Yeah. And that's exactly, you're exactly right. And you can also get those by chills. And I also get them yeah. with, um, if I'm talking to somebody, either my ear will start ringing or I will see, um, that validation for me generally is little lights. I'll see actually little, um, orbs around somebody or near somebody I see orbs quite a bit actually and it's not vitamin deficiency no it only happens Mm -hmm. it rarely happens when I'm by myself now and it only happens when I'm channeling something in for somebody and there'll be lights near their head because I've made sure to pay attention so but yeah that's all I've got for ascended masters okay as you go on this journey with us Whether it is through this episode or our other ones, we talk a lot about perception because at the end of the day, perception is everything. When it comes to our next topic, perception plays a huge role due to the religious background one has. This is where we're going to get into gods and deities. I did my best to come up with categories for this topic because of how many cultures view different deities and gods. So what are gods and deities? Some people see them as, you know, two different things. In the English language, the common noun God is equivalent to deity, while God with the capitalized G is the name of the unique deity of monotheism. Pantheism considers the universe itself to be a deity. Many scholars and intellectuals have tried to define God and deities, but it has been very difficult to define them. The gods and deities are beings who possess divine powers and are therefore worshipped 
throughout the world in various forms. The idea that there is a supreme power that controls and manages the universe is accepted by most people. The term to define this supreme power differs from one culture to another or even differs in religions with the same culture. God and deity are two words that are related to the beings that possess such supreme powers. However, again, the use of these terms may differ from religion to religion. It is very difficult to cover all aspects of these terms, but it allows considering the basic ideology behind these concepts. Deities. On the other hand, the term deity is usually used in the context of polytheistic religions in which the existence of more than one god is considered. So each god within that type of religion is considered as a deity rather than a single and supreme being. The deity can be used to describe a form of god. For example, in India, the Hindu community believes in many gods. For that reason, it is common among them to speak of deities, not of a god. To conclude, we can say that both concepts can be used as synonymous or synonyms, and there is no difference between them. Both are used to refer to a supreme and divine power. However, the definition of God and deity may differ in many contexts. There are multiple types of gods and deities, such as the primordial gods, triple god goddesses deities, psychopomps, celestial gods, death gods, liminal and cyclical deities, rustic or nature gods, and craft or civilized gods. So primordial gods. The primordial gods were believed to be the first to come into existence. Most people believe that the earliest of them emerged spontaneously and then gave rise to the others. The primordial gods were elemental powers. Gaia was not simply the goddess of the earth, she was the earth itself. Greek mythology is marked in many ways by the idea of progression. Successive generations of gods had more specialized domains and precise powers. As the earliest gods, the primordial deities represented broad aspects of creation. Their children, grandchildren, and later generations would divide these domains until they represented very specific places, ideas, or powers. The primordial gods were the most basic and broad forces that made up creation. From them, all other gods and all forms of life were born. So who were the primordial gods? We've got Chaos, Kronos, Gaia, Uranus, and Tartarus, Oceanus, the water gods, Erebus, Nyx, and their children, Thanus, and Eros. Can I, can I stop you there for a second and just yeah. say that's a trippy-ass story when you get into, like, the Greek mythology. Yeah. And, like, the way they everything goes all out. And I really one day would like to just, like, get into that just for just for fun, just for shits mm-hmm. and giggles because it gets really interesting. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to put in the little chart of, like, the gods tree or the deity tree of, like, who mated with who and made what gods. Yeah, and they made, like, a big fat war and all kinds of craziness they made a lot of fucking problems <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was their fault damn it don't blame it all on humans yeah 
All right, now, triple deity goddesses. So this is one that you'll hear throughout paganism because it's one of the most popular ones that is discussed. A triple deity is a deity with three apparent forms that function as a singular whole. Such deities may sometimes be referred to as threefold, tripled, triplicate, tripartite, triune, triadic, or as a trinity. The number three has a long history of mystical associations, and triple deities are common throughout world mythology. Carl Jung, our guy, because <laughs> we reference him a lot, considered the arrangement of deities into triplets an archetype in the history of religion. So guys, if you are a, follow- a follower of Christianity, you got the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's one big uh, example. In classical religious iconography or mythological art, three separate beings may represent either a triad who typically appear as a group or a single deity notable for having three aspects. The triple goddess is a deity or deity archetype revered in many neo-pagan religious and spiritual traditions. In common neo-pagan usage, the triple goddess is viewed as a triunity of three distinct aspects or figures united in one being. These three figures are often described as the maiden, the mother, and the crone, each of which symbolizes both a separate stage in the female life cycle and a phase of the moon, and often rules one of the realms of heavens, earth, and the underworld. In various forms of Wicca, her masculine consort is the horned god. I definitely vibe with um, the maiden mother crone like mm-hmm. ideology with life. I think it's a very beautiful thing and mm-hmm. a beautiful uh, archetype as well. Mm-hmm. Various triune or triple goddesses or deities who appeared in groupings of three were known to ancient religion. Well known examples include Tridevi. So that has to do more with like the Hindu religions. So we got Saraswati, Lakshmi, Kali. We have the charities or graces, the Hore, Horai, however you say it, seasons of which there were three in the ancient Hellenistic reckoning, and the More, fates, you know, like the three fates. Some deities generally depicted as singular also included triplicate aspects. In Stymphalos, Hera was worshipped as a girl, a grown-up, and a widow. So that concludes triple deity and goddesses. The next one is the psychopomps. A psychopomp is a guide whose primary function is to escort souls to the afterlife, but they can also serve as guides through the various transition of life. The term originates from the Greek words pompos, conductor or guide, and psyche, breath, life, soul, or mind. Stories of psychopumps are widespread throughout the mythological tales, religious texts, sacred narratives, and real-life stories of people around the world. So these are the ones that lead people into the afterlife. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then we've got celestial gods and deities. In astronomical religion, a type of deity associated with either a planet, a star, a moon, or other kind of celestial object. 
common in all ancient forms of religion, including in Babylonian, Mesoamerican, and East Asian, and now classified as part of the astronic tradition as a form of astrology. The association of celestial objects with anthropomorphic deities is considered by astronists theory to have been a development in ancient times. From the more simplistic forms of astrology found in the upper Paleolithic and Neolithic times. Then we get into death gods and deities. In polytheistic religions, which have a complex system of deities governing various natural phenomena and aspects of human life, it is common to have a deity who is assigned the function of presiding over death. This deity may actually take the life of humans or, more commonly, simply rule over the afterlife in that particular belief system. A single religion may have separate deities performing both tasks. The deity in question may be good, evil, or neutral in simply doing their job. In sharp contrast to a lot of modern portrayals of death deities as all being inherently evil just because death is feared. Hades from Greek mythology is an especially common target. The inclusion of such a departmental deity of death in a religion's pantheon is not necessarily the same thing as the glorification of death. A death deity has a good chance of being either male or female, unlike some functions that seem to steer toward one gender in particular, such as fertility and earth deities being female and storm deities being male. A single religion or mythology may have death gods of more than one gender existing at the same time and they may be envisioned as a married couple ruling over the afterlife together, as with Aztecs, Greeks, and Romans. In monotheistic religions, the one god governs both life and death, as well as everything else. However, in practice, this manifests in different rituals and traditions, and varies according to a number of factors, including geography, politics, traditions, and the influence of of other religions. Then we get to the liminal and cyclical deities, often overlap with other types of gods. They are the gods of boundaries, change, and cycles. Triple goddesses and death gods are often cyclical in nature. A liminal deity personifies crossing over, while a cyclical deity embodies the passing of someone eternal cycle. For obvious reasons, these are more often than not the same concept. For example, the passing of the seasons, Persephone's movement back and forth from the underworld causing spring, the stages of life, the mother maiden in crone, and Ra as he dies and is reborn with sun every day. Then we get to rustic or nature gods. They are most often elder deities who predate human civilization and represent animalistic desires and instincts. For example, Pan is the Greek god of revelry, the wilds in lusts, representing things the Greeks deemed as inappropriate for civilized society. Dionysus was probably a rustic god originally for similar reasons, but became a craft god for political reasons. And now we're going to go into craft or civilized gods. Directly in contrast to rustic deities are craft deities. 
quite literally the gods of crafts, but more broadly, the gods who represent civilization, the achievements of man, and the order it brings. Hephaestus is the obvious Greek example. Athena represented useful crafts such as weaving. Hestia was goddess of the earth. Sometimes these gods are also primordial deities. In Egyptian myth, Ta is a god of crafting and also creator of the universe. And in Babylonian mythology, Mumu <laughs> fills the same role. Now I'm going to get into a brief, a very brief um, category, and it's called the culture heroes. And they're kind of like a gray area because depending on perception of who's looking at them, it kind of is hard to tell whether they're good or bad and whatnot. But cultural heroes are found in practically every religion. They are often one and the same with trickster deities. But they are cultural heroes because they gave humanity something important, usually against the wishes of other gods. For example, Loki invented nets and gave humans the ability to fish. Prometheus stole fire from Zeus and taught how to make it to humans. Anansi won all the stories in the world from Nyame, I hope I said that right, and shared them. Cultural heroes are often punished by the other gods for these acts, but through their trickery or defiance allowed humans to prosper. The reason I put these on the list is because of how humans view these deities. Even though other beings saw them as negative in a way, they still provided something positive to humankind. So, the most important thing to take away from this is that depending on the culture one is from will depend on how you view things. From the research done, I found a lot of mentions of how the primordial gods are some of the first gods that began the lineage of future gods. They are like the great, great, however many great grandparents of the gods and deities that exist today. Nice. Now we're going to open it up with some experiences. Do you have any experiences? I think I'm going to let you go first because my my explanation is going to be completely, totally different than yours. So I'll okay. let you go first. So personally, I have more experiences with gods and deities. So one in particular is Shiva, the Hindu god of creations and destruction. My first meeting was one I will personally never forget. I was actually watching Demon House, or it was The Conjuring. I don't know which one it was. I forget. But regardless. Uh, and these, or the one movie I had watched, caused a really bad astral attack. However, as I was waking up, I saw Shiva there, clear as day, floating with his legs in a pretzel fashion. He smiled at me, and, and he calmed me with his energy, and he gave me the nicest temple massage. It was so nice. I've seen I, that's that time I seen him I was like why does he not have any legs <laughs> <laughs> and I was like chastity it's because he's like sitting on them yeah Duh. yeah I was like what's up he's like got a big upper body and no fucking legs anyways <laughs> <laughs> so from there on out I started to work with him he always helps me when I get into deep doo-doo with negative and demonic entities I got to meet his son Ganesha a few times and Shiva even took me to his realm, which literally looked like a heaven realm. 
which it probably was, if we're being honest. But I remember seeing pastel pink and blue skies, a palace surrounded by beautiful gardens and walkways with these breathtaking hands, aka helpers, or other people of the realm. They had very ethereal clothes on that looked like Princess Jasmine's, but in a way that was more elegant and ethereal. Same looking material, though. Like, it was that same, like see-through-y kind of material yeah mm-hmm. and i remember them telling me that my feet were not allowed to touch the ground so they took me around on this fabric thing to keep my feet off the ground and i just remember the air was warm and the energy was calm and healing and it was like i was on a vacation but then i remembered i accidentally stepped on their ground with my bare feet and they're and they're like oh crap <laughs> you literally took a magic carpet ride i'm jealous i did but it wasn't like what you think but yeah that was my experience uh... so like i guess i've probably told it just briefly i saw shiva to help emily out one night i didn't quite believe it when i seen it but i seen it and he didn't have any legs and he had like we said it in the last one he had a big like whip thing that he was with chawing things with but i did i did see that that night that was very interesting and I saw shackles on Emily's, uh, both of her arms, and he helped with that. They actually dissipated. Um, That is in one of the video things that we did way back, well, not way back in the day, but like a year and maybe a half ago at this point. So that would be like my closest experience because I view that completely differently then most of the things like my personal the way i vibe with uh gods and stuff so i have a completely different perspective so as far as gods and stuff outside of the experience that i had with emily i personally do not resonate with anything being a god or gods outside of source or universal creative energy so Um, that's just my personal belief and that's the way I feel that things are kind of you know stacked up I don't want because a lot of times people get into worshiping deities or gods and I do not practice that personally Um, because I don't I guess you could say I don't really even worship Jesus a lot of times you know they talk about worshiping you know different types of gods and deities but that's just not how i i roll i believe that god is another word for source which is another word for universe you know another word for creation um so i've always had an issue with like for example being raised in the south calling jesus god the one because i think we all come from god even though jesus for example is jesus is said to be an extension of god himself i think we all are to a degree so what makes the difference and the difference is is like you know the whole ascended master thing and i can respect that and i you know i value that and i value that there's different types of ascended beings and gods and deities to me are nothing more than ascended beings whether that be human or non-human so uh, for me to say that i've had an experience with 
gods or working with gods, I can say that I experience God on a daily basis or what we refer to as gods, but I also refer to that as source. So that's just all I want to really say about my experiences, just to say, you know, the fact that they kind of differ from other people's belief systems. And I know there's some people that probably feel the same way I do and some that don't. And some might, might have a problem with that as well, but that's just my personal take on it. I think for me, like, I don't worship, even though I work with other deities and gods and stuff, I don't worship. I It's more like of a gratitude and a thankfulness for their help. I agree. And I think there's a difference, but I don't ever worship, like, deities or anything. Yeah, and I mean, I, I definitely give thanks and gratitude and appreciation and whatnot but I just don't I don't venture out much I work with my spiritual team and I'm comfortable with my spiritual team and I think you know even if like asking for guidance and stuff if that comes along with another for example spirit guide because you know we're at the end of this mini series here I can just probably go ahead and say like you know I don't search out extra help I just ask for help and if that type of help requires another god then so be it and the same thing goes for like different types of gods or deities and stuff of the such um i feel like i have been gave everything i've been equipped with everything i need to be able to navigate my way through who i am and what i do and my personal existence it's all been laid out before me and I often say that we, you know, people say that, you know, we control the steering wheel of our life. You get the metaphor of like driving and we're steering life. Well, I disagree. I think that life kind of steers itself and we just control the gas and the brake pedal. We don't actually control the wheel at all. So that's just kind of my perspective. All right. So if you're beliefs have to do with a singular creator then how do you view this singular creator yes so moving on from like gods and deities we're just going to move into what i personally felt would make the top of the vibrational list and i think emily probably can agree with me some people may not but I personally think at the very last top thing would be what many refer to as God, but it also is source, the source of creation, the source of our energy. So pretty much what is source? Well, source is, you know, said where all of our existence comes from, existence come from. And basically in certain types of texts and through some of my research, I found a very interesting way to say this and that our whole existence, this whole universe, the whole cosmos are actually a thought form of what we refer to as source, God or creator itself. And Emily, I found this really interesting because if you think about some of the things that we do in our astral realm, practices whether it's in the form of like realm jumping i've talked about or visiting you know somebody's home to see if there's any dark entities like psychically like remote viewing or anything like that it's so very similar with what we do with our 
thought forms or what I like to call manifestation or manifested thoughts helps us like actually manifest things like how you manifest your sword for example when you're you know dealing with something in the astral realm well source or god or the creator it said that this existence is nothing more than a thought form for the creator so could other thought forms exist absolutely but this is all we know it's like the edges of the universe it is the big bang theory and you know that i truly believe that you know this is we're at the point here where everybody can have a different opinion so i can only give you my opinion my opinion and emily could probably do the same of what source the creator the universe whatever that may be i do believe that source or god has a consciousness and it is the all oneness the inner web it is everything and one of the things that i like to say is it took me a while to realize this but it was part of i guess losing ego like when i started to realize that the whole world it's not me and the whole world revolves around me because we go through that when we're transitioning from being like a child to a teenager to a young adult and trying to figure out all these things when i actually realized that i was like this just tiny little speck of dust on earth and but i realized that i was a part of something much greater a oneness a collective I was literally everything and nothing at the same time. And that was the most beautiful realization, realizing that I was a part of source, this one universal thing. And some people call it like the one, one world, you know, um, religion and all that. No, no, no. I don't believe it's, I don't believe that this falls within the whole like biblical one world religion or anything like that. We are from, something and this something for me is source the collective energy this is god so it um it is a lot of where i pull a lot of knowledge like my source the knowledge that i get um intuitively comes from source but source has all these things underneath it like we talked about that we refer to as angels and things and it's like a mechanical working you know thing it's literally a living thing that's made up of things and that is us that is physics that is quantum physics that is all that is the alpha the omega and where does it end and begin does it you know begin as a the big bang and end as the whole universe going black into what we call dark matter i have theories on that i've actually channeled in information about dark matter that you know i've done a little research but i'm not a scientist or anything here you know but i've i've channeled in messages about dark matter and what dark matter actually could be um and i think it has something to do with like the transformation the death cycle the rebirth cycle it, it all happens over and over and over again and i think that is the infinite loop that is infinity is that you know as the universe is created it slowly dies and that's what we're you know we're taught but i i resonate with that but death is nothing more than a transformation like what if dark energy is just god's way of like composting what 
all has ever existed and all of a sudden that mass just gets so great that it just suddenly transmutates everything because black generally in crystals transmutes everything energy wise into something else and it just transmutates back into another big bang if you want to think about it that way into a big burst of light the source of creation so I very much resonate with uh, a source energy I can feel source energy when I connect um, it's unmistakable for me and I really think it's a pretty awesome thing to be a part of because I'm not separate from anybody listening to this podcast there's a tiny piece of every single one of us and every single one of us because we are all made of the same things it doesn't matter what we look like it doesn't matter our personalities it doesn't we, we all have everything existing we're a part of everything including the archetypes the archetypes are just another way to like talk about what's already inside of us like and it's said that all the archetypes with the theories or like the ideology of you know Carl Jung or Jung however you want to say it um mm -hmm. you know they all exist inside of us and they're activated at certain times and it takes me back to like everything that we've talked about has something to do with our existence it does kind of all evolve around us and that's the way it has been structured and that's the way as humans we understand it but it's just a very small part of the actual picture that we're able to somewhat justify for our understanding and i i mean that's that's the beauty and the fear part it's why we fear death because we don't know for sure but i can say in my personal opinion there is something bigger there is something that created us and there is a certain energy signature attached to that and i very much resonate with that like everything the angels everything it's all a part of pieces of us just like the archetypes and they all offer different learnings and teachings and lessons and good and bad and positive and negative is there a neutral is source neutral source is not a, a man or a woman it's a combination of feminine and masculine energy it is a neutral thing and there is a cause and effect for every single action that constantly is shaping our reality and that is a part of source that is a part of our free will but even though we have free will each and every choice we we make shapes it and it makes things differently does that throw us i'm getting real out there right now but does that throw us in different types of realms of reality because we made these choices and then collectively it shifts the whole energy of not just us but everybody else ever so slightly in the smallest increments until we get somewhere and is this why these ascended beings come to help us make some of these decisions is this why you know people say well i got a sudden strike of creative inspiration and i invented this to make humanity better you know there's just so many things and so many examples we could talk about where there's some type of malevolent or benevolent influence energetically to shift people's perceptions throughout history that either either hurt or gained 
as a whole of humanity. So I think that's all a part of source. We are source and we are, we are gods. We are a part of gods, I guess you could say, um, that we create our own, you know, manifestation and create all that kind of stuff. But, you know, are we gods in the making? One day maybe we'll be a source God. I don't know if that's ever, that'll ever, I don't know if I vibe with that a hundred percent, but people say we even, you know, can manifest or I'm sorry, uh, reincarnate as stars. We can reincarnate as something totally different somewhere else. And maybe someday we get to that point. So that's just kind of my perspective. I wanted to share about source. I mean, it kind of leads you know, we, nobody really has the answers and I'm not claiming that I know everything. That's just my perception. So that would pretty much for me, um, close up what I feel in source. Emily, do you have anything you want to add about source? Mm-hmm. So I believe that it's kind of like there was some kind of initiation of energy, but like to create everything, Right. So when I think of source, I always get flashes of a giant golden ball of light, kind of like a sun, if that makes sense. But like to take it, take into what you said about like the universe being on constant loop and constant um, infinity of like creating and dying and creating and dying. It made me think about like how that associates with black holes and stuff. Yes. So like in order to create a black hole, you basically a big star falls in upon itself or collapses and it's like it does that but then you can have more stars and that process just keeps going over and over and over again so nothing really is ever gone just it's transmuted into something else yes so in the information that i was talking about i i just want to make this clear now for listeners when I was talking about the dark energy stuff, that's totally like part of the channeling. So yes, you are picking up part of the channeling that I put down and that I haven't actually really shared a whole lot with the many people yet. And you mm-hmm. were dead on how I perceived that information and it has a lot to do with stuff like that. So yes, I 100% agree with you there. And I've not yeah. I've spoke to you a little bit about it, but not a lot. Yeah, because when you mentioned black mat or dark matter, it immediately brought me to that. And I'm like, well, if this happens when stars cave in and it creates a black hole, then if source or the energy that created source did the same thing and that could be cons- cre- uh, that can be considered as dark matter, then it would make sense how stars can turn into black holes yeah that's one of the theories about you know black holes is it's basically like you were saying where a star's mass it gets so heavy that it just it it basically collapses in on itself due to the gravitational the mass and the weight like the actual Mm -hmm. fabric of gravity or time how you know the whole Einstein's theory of relativity it actually bends it and warps it but just in a different way and all this stuff gets sucked up but it goes somewhere and that somewhere is something we can't see and it's part you know dark energy makes up so much part of the universe and I think that it is very much like kind of like a battery cell and you know personally that's kind of how I channeled in the information and see it and there's 
some other things involved too. And I think it's just like a, a whole cycle of transformation. So birth, you know, living and death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I saw the new Ant-Man movie on, I think, Monday because it was President's Day. But it made me think about, like, the universe and all the different realms and dimensions. So, like, they have the quantum realm, right? Yeah. So the quantum the quantum realm is literally smaller than, like, a molecule. And it's, like, a realm within a realm within a realm within a realm. Yeah. And I feel like that in of itself is our universe. Exactly. And that really takes us full circle back to the very first episode in this mini series frequency duality and dimensions when we start talking about like the fifth sixth seventh dimension and when the fifth dimension is the one i was had my interest kind of peaked because that is when you know the the like in a rubik's cube the atoms and everything the, at a molecule level start folding in on each other and creating other spaces and it's just it gets so interesting like i'm a, i'm a nerd for it i'm, I'm there for it <laughs> But that's like what I think about like with our within our universe because we have like um, our universe and then we have like the space and then we have planets and then you go to a planet. So let's use Earth, right? You go to Earth, you find a piece of grass. Well, the molecule within that piece of grass could have like its own version of the quantum realm and then you get into the quantum realm and then you have another realm within the quantum realm and it like just is a never-ending loop. Yeah, and I can, I can kind of see see that as being a possibility and you know how they say we just exist and like ourself and we exist in so many different places and in this place we're something and then this place we're something and you know Mm -hmm. I can kind of see how that works in a way but I think it's more based uh for me in a thought form and thought forms are reality so if it is said and I can resonate with this that we are a thought form a manifestation of our creator then we have our own thoughts as well and all these thoughts make thoughts and then we go places and i mean really though like the work that some of the work that we do is very much based on what i refer to as manifested thoughts like I, I literally teach people about manifested thoughts. I just kind of started doing that because it's some realization I had a while back and it just makes a lot of sense about mm-hmm. how we do things that we can't explain but can be validated based on our experiences through manifested thought, like traveling to somebody's home and telling them what their house looks like you know and stuff like that you have these mentalists out here that try to explain that and they do it in some way and this way and the other and they say that psychic mediums you know they they're just mentalists and you know they just there's basically not real but i have to beg to differ i really Mm do well you know it's really interesting because now that you're saying that and i didn't even think about that but i kind of did in a way so when i'm training or helping someone with um astral projection and stuff i will have them sit in their room and observe everything that's there right like as a first step as practice yeah and then i'll have them close their eyes and try to remember exactly where everything is and then it's like i take it a step further so when they want to manifest or go to a different place that they've never been before, I literally just say, well, envision what you feel like it would be like. And it's kind of like almost mental gymnastics in a way. Yeah. And it's just kind of like using your creative skills and your mind 
-hmm. and it helps you do those things yes and with the assistance of higher benevolent beings and in some circumstances with certain people's experiences even what we would refer to as lower vibrational beings mm -hmm. they both do the same i mean even in situations like where we talk about and we've heard about people getting you know taken places to different realms just like you got taken you know to shiva's realm there's other people that have been taken to lower vibrational realms and those realms exist but you're within a thought form of that being that took you there mm -hmm. yeah because you can't it's hard to do this by yourself you always have to have the assistance of an ascended being yeah and i mean and if not and, and if you don't then you're you're going to be stuck calling for help whether you mm -hmm. want to realize it or not and that's a point that really needs to be made right now when you think you can do this all by yourself and you're the one doing it because you are like god you are a god or goddess you know that is a, a common thing that is taught and there is relevance to that but that is to me part of ego and when i personally this is the way i view it when i connect to spirit i know that i am nothing more than basically a mediator which is a medium and i am you know the channel i have to raise my vibration or lower my vibration in circumstances to be able to communicate and channel and get information for people so if i'm moving in the direction of like channeling messages from you know past relatives and other like channeling things i have to raise my vibration up and then when i deal with lower vibrational beings i have to lower my vibration so is it always a negative thing that your vibrations lower no it's not mm -hmm. but you have to have the ability to move in and out and that is a, that's a gift i mean it's a gift not it was we all have the ability they say gift is like something that is gave but it is it's I wouldn't even use the word special. It is something you have to learn and that you have to be taught by somebody else. And when I say somebody else, I don't mean just a person here on earth. You may get like information from a person here on earth, but earth, but some things can't be taught. And you have so much ego associated with the fact that if you think you're doing this all by yourself, I personally would say you're very wrong because that is not how it's done i have to drop my ego i have to drop my perception of life in general to be able to get messages for people and you know just basically become a translator i have to open my mouth and trust what comes out and when i stop doing that and i put my ego in it i no longer can help people with mediumship abilities so mm -hmm. i'm the same way because it's like like doing a reading or doing psychometry sessions and holding an object, I have to be blinded because my ego will get in the way and tell me what that object is. And then now that I know what the object is, then it's like my brain automatically formulates the story to go with it, okay. which is why I need to be blindfolded. Because if I don't know what it is, then my brain can't make sense of what it is. I, I don't want it to make sense of what it is. And so I let spirit guide me of what the story is around the object. Exactly. And, you know, I think this is probably a really good place to go ahead and say, because we are wrapping up this episode, that moving forth in this, I guess you could say season one, the origins, we have covered a lot of what we call the midnight phase of this podcast. And I realize that we haven't discussed this a ton, 
but we will be in the future kind of giving you guys more of a clear defined line of what we mean. But we have followed kind of a vibrational scale, just like we have with the this last little mini series. And we will be trans transitioning more into like psychic medium stuff. So going forth on this adventure, we will be moving more into the lights part or, you know, the psychic you know, mediumship or kind of talking about our journey. And the whole point of Origins was to kind of start where we started and move straight up through to where we are now in hopes to be able to kind of give you guys a pers perspective into our origin story. We are going to try our best to, you know, stay true to the Psychic Paranormal podcast. We always have paranormal experiences, whether that is with positive or you know, malevolent being. So, Peter Natural, Supernatural, Paranormal, Unexplained. We're always going to have that for you guys. But we're going, we are going to be talking a little more about the things that we do and, you know, giving you more information about it. We are going to be having more interviews coming in as well. So, this is kind of like we're almost to the midpoint of the season, I guess you could say. So we just wanted to kind of state that before, you know, we jumped right into it and just switched things up on you guys. But we'll definitely keep you informed. So, drum roll please. Well guys, that is it for the mini-series. Yay! Yay! No more Wizard of Oz! Yay! So that finalizes the... Uh, basically the title an exploration into the diversity of spiritual realms and we really hope you guys enjoyed this part we hope that we could give you a fresh perspective we hope we've made you think we hope that somebody's learned something if you have enjoyed this mini series please let us know we always like to hear from you and yeah that's a wrap Hey, if you have a haunted story you want to share, you can email us at lights at midnight podcast at gmail.com. Get in touch with us there. We'd love to hear from you. We really appreciate y'all uh, hanging around and checking it out. And yeah, thank you so much. We are super excited to bring you some super awesome content. We really appreciate you guys checking us out. Thank you to all that took the time to listen to this week's episode. Your support means the world to us. And remember, all of us have the ability to shine brightly and shed positivity, even in the darkest of places. Stay safe, stay well, and light it up!